The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Peter approached Jesus and asked him, Lord, if my brother sins against me, how often must I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus answered, I say to you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. That is why the kingdom of heaven may be likened to a king who decided to settle accounts with his servants. When he began the accounting, a debtor was brought before him who owed a huge amount. Since he had no way of paying it back, his master ordered him to be sold, along with his wife, his children, and all his property in payment of the debt. At that, the servant fell down, did him homage, and said, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back in full. Moved with compassion, the master of that servant let him go and forgave him the loan. When that servant had left, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a much smaller amount. He seized one of his fellow servants and started to choke him, demanding, Pay back what you owe. Falling to his knees, his fellow servant begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he had the fellow servant put in prison until he paid back the debt. Now, when his fellow servants saw what had happened, they were deeply disturbed and went to their master and reported the whole affair. His master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave your entire debt because you begged me to. Should you not have had pity on your fellow servant as I had pity on you? Then in anger, his master handed him over to the torturers until he should pay back the whole debt. So will my heavenly Father do to you, unless each of you forgives your brother from your heart. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Once again, as has been the case over the most recent Sundays, our readings put before us a very difficult but very important series of teachings, beginning with a disturbingly true statement of the condition of the human heart. And to understand that for a moment, and this is an odd question for those of you who know me because I'm a 12 feet of personal space guy, but consider who you would hug and why you would do that. Because our first reading from the book of Sirach begins with a statement about hugging, which is surprising. Doubly surprising for the context. It says, wrath and anger 
are hateful things. And yet the sinner hugs them tightly. What a powerful image that is, and a surprising image. Wrath and anger are hateful things. We don't want those things. We reject those things, or we claim to. And yet there's something about the sin-fallen human heart that despite the fact that it hates these things, embraces them, pulls them close, holds on tight, and doesn't let them go. And if we're honest about our experience of the world, that strange statement is all too true. We nurse our resentments. We cling to our pain. We hold things against one another and we keep replaying it over and over and over again. And as much as we say we don't want to be bothered by these things, as much as we say we don't want to be mastered by these things, where do we hold them? Right in the heart. And as much as we say I need to let it go, what don't we do? We don't let it go. And frankly, if we've been alive for more than 10 minutes, we've got something that we're holding against somebody else. And as we go through life, we accumulate that, don't we? One of the tragic things about family life in our world is the fact that in all too many of our families, there are brothers or sisters or parents and children who have gone years without speaking to one another because of something that happened years ago that both refuse to get over and neither wants to be the first to make the move. We grow comfortable with these things. We grow comfortable with our anger and with our resentment. And oftentimes our relationships are determined or conditioned by those things we hold against one another. And so the reading from Sirach continues and it says, the vengeful one the vengeful one, the one who builds his heart on a desire to get even, a desire to get back, on simply the desire to keep holding things against somebody else, that person whose life is marked by a certain kind of negative scorekeeping is the one who will find that all of his sins are held against him. What a chilling statement that is. Because over the years, my heart has kept a lot of scores. What a chilling statement that is. And what the scriptures are saying is, if my measure, if the way I live, if the way I relate is a matter of me keeping my list of all that has been wrong against me and all of the reasons I need to be angry and resentful to my brother or my sister, if that is who I am, that's the measure that God will measure back to me. What a sobering reality that is. 
And all of a sudden, the scriptures put before us, maybe I should find another way. Maybe this way of living, of being attached to my anger, of being attached to my sense of having been a victim or being misused or taken for granted, maybe there's an element of that that needs to define me much less. And that's the context out of which Jesus now gives us this lesson, this very important lesson in the gospel. And Peter comes to Jesus having heard him speak about the importance of forgiveness, having heard him speak about the importance of not holding on to one's anger and one's grudge to the extent that one is mastered by it. And so he comes to the Lord and he asks a very good question. If my brother sins against me, how many times should I forgive him? Seven? And note right away, one of the things he's saying is more than once. Because let's be honest, many of us have trouble forgiving the first time, let alone a second time or a third or a fourth time. And we'd be doing really well if we got to seven. So Peter's question is not a silly question at all. What he is saying is, if I am wronged by my brother more than once, do I forgive more than once? That's a difficult question for us to nod our heads and answer to, because on the one hand, mentally, we know the answer. And yet on another hand, personally, we also know how hard it is to live that answer. I can let it go once, but I can't let it go twice. And so note the, note the bite in St. Peter's question. This is not a small question he's asking. He's saying, do I really need to work on regularly forgiving my brother? And then the other implication is, what if my brother is a persistent thorn in my side? What if this relationship just doesn't work well? And my brother is often not good to me. Do I need to often, frequently, regularly forgive him? That's the question Peter is asking. And he uses the number, of, the number seven not because he wants to have a quantity that limits it. You know, seven strikes and then you're out. Rather, seven is also the number of fullness, of perfection. And so he's asking the question of, do I need to do this all the time, Lord? Is that what you're asking me? And this, then, is the spur for Jesus to say, no, not seven times, 77 times, 11 times more than always. What a puzzling statement that is, because one would think Peter asked for the maximum. Do I always forgive? Should I always forgive? And yet Jesus goes beyond the always of the heart and the mind of Peter. 
And he does so in a very particular way. He punctuates this statement with a parable. And he says, we can think of the kingdom of God this way. The noble left and he returned home. And now is the time to settle accounts with his servants. And when the Lord speaks that way, one of the contexts that he's putting in front of us is the simple reality that there will come that moment when all of us stand before the king and he's going to open up the book and he's going to want to settle accounts with each and every one of us. In other words, we are accountable for our lives and for what God has given us and how we've lived that and how we use it. And sooner or later, there will be an accounting. And so it is that this servant comes in and he's arrived at the moment of accounting and his debt is so large, he can't possibly even think about paying it back. He has no hope of paying it back. And because of that, the consequence of that heavy debt will be the destruction of all that he has. And so he falls to his knees and he begs for mercy. He begs for patience. He begs for the forgiveness of the debt. And again, what is a debt? It is something that is counted against me, something that is counted against somebody else. And so he says, you count all of this against me. Could you please write it down? And the Lord, looking at him, is moved and says, I won't just write it down, I'll erase it. I will give you a fresh start. You owe me nothing. Imagine that. Faced with destruction and hopelessness, to suddenly be gifted a new start with no debt. Imagine how that heart should feel. Imagine how relieved and joyous that life should be. And then remember what our friend Sirach said. Wrath and anger are hateful things, but the heart of the sinner hugs them tightly. And so what do we see? This man who has been given newfound freedom, newfound hope, what does he do with it? He nearly strangles another guy who owes him money. This is how he is using the freedom that he was just given. He goes right back to what he still holds against his brother. Because that's still in his heart too. The noble erased his debt. I hold nothing against you. And what does this servant effectively say? Thank you. That's wonderful. Now I am free to get back to all those things I hold against all these other guys. That's the dangerous power of a certain nursing of our resentments, a certain nursing of all of those things we count against one another, of those litanies we repeat to ourselves time and time again of what she has done to me, what he said to me, what the world has done to me, how unfair everyone has been. 
because that's what this man still has in his heart. And so he who has been forgiven finds himself unwilling to ex extend a similar degree of mercy to someone who owes him much less. And in his anger and his refusal to do so, he ends up losing even the forgiveness he was originally granted. And that's part of the lesson. The Lord forgave, but the merciless behavior of the servant also lost that forgiveness. And why? Because the merciless standard by which he judged his brother is measured back to him. And so Jesus now looks at Peter and he says, this is what you need to understand. This is what you need to understand. The simple truth is this. Every single one of us is like that guy who owes a debt he can't possibly repay. Sinful fallen man is that one who can't buy his own salvation, who can't pay the debt. And yet in Jesus, God takes the debt away. He pays it for us. Debtors no more. Freed and forgiven. And the Lord says, but the proof, the real truth of having received my mercy is that that mercy spills out of you and you extend it to one another. And so Peter, how many times should you forgive your brother? How many times have I forgiven you? How many times should you forgive your brother? How many times have I forgiven the world? How many times should you forgive your brother? How ready to forgive am I? That's the answer. 77 times. More than your always, act out of my always. And when you do it that way, you will notice something else. Because let's be honest, we all know from when we're little and we have that first experience of getting in trouble because we've hurt somebody and we hear an adult tell us, you need to apologize to him or her. And what do we do? We hold our breath. We stomp over because we don't want to say we're sorry, but we do. And so we grumble, I'm sorry. There can be that grudging, childish spirit that lives in our heart, too. Okay, I guess I've got to forgive you. All right. And so on the one hand, it's forgiveness, but it's grudging. There's a lack of generosity about it. It feels forced. Peter's question leaves that issue of forced forgiveness on the table. Grudging forgiveness, reluctant forgiveness on the table. And Jesus says, we might start there, but there's a better place to go, which is a more generous forgiveness, a willingness to look to forgive, a willingness to be generous in the way I write down the debt, and not to be minimalistic with it, 77 times 7. And Jesus is very, very serious with this because
He's the one who, while the nails will be driven through his hands, forgives the guy swinging the hammer. He's the one who, as his blood is spilled for our salvation, does so to forgive us who are the cause of it. Seventy-seven times. How generous am I? That's your goal. That's your model. Don't worry about reaching it or not. Don't worry about perfection or not. Just move in that direction. That's the way we move, Peter. Because the reality is we are called to live in the likeness of Jesus Christ. We who were made in the image and likeness of God. And what did we sing in our responsorial psalm? The Lord is merciful, full of compassion, and slow to anger. Even on my best day, I'm not sure I reach all of those criterion at the same time. But note, that's the measure, merciful, filled with compassion, slow to anger. How many times? Jesus basically says, merciful, filled with compassion, slow to anger. Start right there, and you're on the right track. Amen.